So, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I am. Uh, welcome. I'm excited to to learn a little bit more about you today. So, for everybody that's listening, we're talking with Whitney Schmidt today. She's an amazing loan originator, and uh, if you've ever been anyone that's worked with her, you know that she will go above and beyond to help you. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like today. And then maybe also get to learn some fun facts about Whitney. You ready? Okay. <laughs> so let's, let's start with the beginning so everybody can get a feel. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what got you into your current, uh, you know, career path? And then maybe a little bit about uh, what you like to do. Uh, yeah, so fell into this, and I truly say fell because this was not 10 years ago in at all an ideal career for me, but um, fell into this about two years ago. Um, prior to that was just hospitality and tourism management um, with a mix of accounting, um, did a little bit of property management, um, and just over the course of the last 10, maybe 15 years, um, kind of just realized what I liked and what I didn't. And I realized that after buying a house that the lending, uh, was exactly what I needed to do. Uh, it accommodated my, um, drive for going above and beyond, as you mentioned, um, with hospitality, of course, uh, customer service, and not working your nine to five job, as we all know, this is a around the clock position. Yeah, um, it can be for houses, sure. Yes, <laughs> buying houses never stops. I don't care if it's at night, morning, a holiday, your birthday; it always happens. Sure. Um, and and yeah, and and I truly just said, "Get me in the door, uh, get me the interview, and and I'll take it from there." And and I did. There you go. <laughs> took it, took the bull by the horns and rode that thing eight seconds flat. I so, did. uh, you said hospitality, where did you work in the hospitality industry? What did you do? Um, started in serving and bartending, um, through college, many internships with hotels, front desk. Um, I was a, uh, bellhop, uh, housekeeper, supervisor. Um, so you've done everything that you could imagine to make somebody LA. else's vacation great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so how do you feel like, <clears throat> do you feel like doing that job, doing all those internships, learning how to do all the service industry stuff, and let's, let's be honest, humbling yourself to clean rooms, take out trash, like do you feel like that was something that uh, helps you in what you're doing now or – um, what do you use from that career to build off on what you're doing now? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And I would say when you do the grunt work, when you do the dirty jobs, when you work for tips or 100% commission, you don't realize what working for that dollar means until you do it. And you are the only one that can do it. Um, so yes, a combination of all of those jobs. I sold cars for a while, so I truly was a hundred percent commission. Um, gave me that that thick skin, that alligator skin, to be in a position of of this, of of sales and being told no and being put up against competitors and constantly being said, you know, hey, they're doing this. What can you do? Hey, you know they're doing this, what can you do? Or what are you going to do for me? Or, you know, 
whatever it may be. Um, thinking outside the box, overcoming objection, um, working 10 and 12 and 14 hour days, but knowing that if nobody else is going to do it, and if I'm not going to do it, I'm well, you know, you know, it's, it's lonely at the top. The reason it's lonely at the top is because when you, when you work so hard to attain that, that level in any career path that you choose, uh, you're lonely up there because there's not a lot of people that are willing to do the work to get where you're at. But what they're trying to do is claw at you and pull you down, right? Mm-hmm. Anything that they can say to go against that. So I know that there is, there's something we've talked about in the past that you do that I think separates you from other originators just based off of your background of knowing that you did hospitality injury, you serviced people, you made sure that they had good experiences, you made sure that uh, you know their needs were met. So I know that mm-hmm. you've taken that into another area that you help people that are looking to buy a house. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that today, about like how do you help people? And it's always the ones that come and say, I don't have good credit. Everybody says that. I think a lot of people are embarrassed to do it, but I've found that you're one of the few that's like, hey, let me talk to you, see what I can do to help you, and not just go ghost. You never hear from the lender again, and then you got to tell the person, yeah, that probably means no, but I think that you do it different, so I'd like to hear about just how you do that and, and why and what it makes you, how it makes you feel to know that you've helped somebody go from thinking there's no hope to getting a set of keys and taking a photo and being happy at the closing table. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you definitely hit the nail on the head. So I enjoy um, breaking down that uncomfort level, that barrier, that one conversation that prevents a buyer from wanting to talk to a lender solely on the fact that they have horrible credit, they filed bankruptcy, they had somebody take their identity, they maxed out cards when they were in college and never got to pay them back, they're in collections, they had, you know, on and on and on. I enjoy talking to them and reassuring them that they're human. This is life. It's okay. Right? We live in America. Everybody, for the most part, has done what you've done or there's a ton of people in America in your position. You are not alone. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell them, and, and this really, um, I think, kind of solidifies why I do what I do for those that I do it for, is it is hard on the other line, never meeting me before, and talking about their most vulnerable situation of, I have a 400 credit score and I don't know what to do. And therefore I'm just not going to do anything. And I will absolutely say, no, we're going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at it together. We're going to work together. We're going to have a game plan and we're going to execute it. And mm-hmm. it's not going to happen overnight. Just like these scores didn't happen overnight. It took time and, and missing payments and maxing out cards or, or whatever it may be. This isn't going to happen overnight. And as long as you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. And as sure. long as you hear what I have to say and, and I'm there guiding you and walking you through it and, and holding your hand through it, I'm, I'm willing if you are. And, yeah. and normally I'll get the yay or the nay. So and, before the pandemic hit, right, like when, I mean, everything is on the, the computer, it's on the telephone, it's, it's through what we're doing right now. Like we're, I mean, 
you're not hardly doing a lot in person, it's still a really mm -hmm. huge benefit to getting to know the person that you are working with. But mm -hmm. uh, before the pandemic, were you still mostly talk? I would imagine you're still talking to these people on the phone, right? They're not normally wanting to reach out and walk into an office and go and look at someone in the face and go, hey, I got a 400. What can you do for me? Has it always been like on the phone or have you had the opportunity to work with people like one on one and show them stuff and and do those things? Because I know you work oddly nationwide. Enough, oddly enough, it's it's always over the phone. Yeah. Even pre-COVID. That's even what I was thinking. Yep. Yeah. Because, I mean, I got um, it right. It's a really embarrassing moment for you to go, man, I really don't want to rent because I'm making that guy's credit look good. And I really want to own my own house. But through whatever happened, either you didn't care, either you lost a job, uh, divorce, all of a sudden you had triplets, right? It's things happen to where like, oh my God, we can't afford it. And so once you get to that point, you know, I, I'm sure it's like a, that's one of those things where you got to overcome those fears, right? I got to just understand that I need to rip the bandaid off. Right. So that's what I want everybody to know that's listening today. If you're in this situation, just rip off the bandaid. Ask yeah. somebody what they can do to help you. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you talk to someone like Whitney, who's like, hey, I'm here to help you if you want to get help. You just said that earlier. Like if you're willing, I'm willing. I'm going to tell you right now, there is very few people in the mortgage industry that are willing to do that. I'm, yeah. I know it for a fact because it's not the easiest route. It does take a long time sometimes, and it requires patience on the other end to just understand that these people may, they may get angry, they may get upset, they may be very emotional, right? This is going to be a long process. And so mm -hmm. it's very admirable that <laughs> that's how you approach it, you know, like you, you take a long time sometimes to do these things. So I, I think everybody listening needs to know there's one phone call to make, right? Yep. There yep. you go. So what is the normal timeline? Let's say somebody has hor like horrible credit in their mind. Let's say they need to work on some things. Let's say that there's a lot of things that they can do. In your experience, what's, what is about the average time uh, if you have a really low credit score that it takes to really truly get it to the point where you can purchase? Now, I know everybody's situation is different because mm – -hmm. You know, I'm not talking like, what's the average time for bankruptcy? What's the average time for foreclosure, right? Sure. But like if they just have missed payments, and a lot of us, that's what it is. We've missed some payments. We maxed out a credit card. We couldn't afford to do it. We bought that car that we really loved. Unfortunately, I probably shouldn't, right? So mm -hmm. in those situations where it's basic stuff like that, because everything is, is unique when you get into those other scenarios, what's the average amount of time it takes you to to help someone get to a point where they're like that light is bright at the end of the tunnel. Hmm. Um, I would have to put like a five to nine month time frame. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason I kind of do that instead of three to six months or nine to 12 months, because a lot of the time, it may just be paying something off, getting a letter from that collection agency or that creditor, mm -hmm. submitting it to the bureaus, and within 30 to 60 days, we start seeing those scores go up. Or it could be something as simple as going and getting approved for your first credit card. 
Well, that alone takes three months because of applying, charging, first statement, and then now we're into the third month, is that credit card now reporting to the bureaus? It doesn't happen immediately. And I think that a lot of people in general, when they pay something off, when they get a card, when they get an auto loan, or when they're getting added as an authorized user, they think it happens instantaneously. And it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has to go by months. And, and that's why the, the five to nine months, depending on the extensiveness, yeah. um, I would say is a safe um, credit repair. That doesn't necessarily mean they're closing in nine months. That just means we're out of position to right, get right, them. Right. Yep. So you said something interesting just now that I heard that I'd, I'd like you to just kind of expound on just a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So you said that people often when you're working with them, even if you explain the process very, very well, they'll go, okay. Well, I just became a co-signer or a joint account holder. Or I just got a credit card because my cousin, sister, whoever, like somebody was able to help me. Mm-hmm. Why didn't my score go up? Can you explain a little bit to people out there like, yeah, you, you did become the joint owner, right? But explain to them the difference in being the sole account holder, right? It's all about you. And then becoming a joint account holder. Because I'm sure there's a difference there on how that affects the score. But like why they don't see an instant my score jumped 50 points because I got a credit card, you know? Right. Um, okay. So obviously, first and foremost, um, the first time somebody applies for a credit card, um, yes, your credit is getting ran. You are getting that inquiry. Inquiries do and can diminish some credit scores. Um, at that point, um, it is your job to build longevity with that line of credit. So when you're the sole account holder, you are making history on that card. Mm-hmm. It will not until that that third month, third or fourth month, actually right. see an improvement. So your scores are going to kind of stay here. They're going to dip a little bit because of that inquiry. And then as you start charging and stay in good standing with that line of credit, you are going to see every time that credit card does report to the Bureau, you are going to see a couple points increase right. from year to year. So that means... Just just so that I'm following you correctly, because mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot today, too, about how I can talk to people about this. Yep. Just because you get a card, contrary to popular belief, from what I'm hearing you saying, is you need to use that card. You need to put yep. some money on it. Now, just inexperience, and I'm sure there's like both sides of this are probably true, but what have you seen in your experience if you charge something on a card, should you pay the entire balance off every month or should you allow a little bit to stay there to show that there is a balance on the card and make you can make a little bit over what your payment is. But if there's a balance there, does that help you or does it matter if you pay it all off? Have you seen a difference in how the scores move? Yeah, so I, I typically advise one of two things. Um, I will absolutely, especially somebody um, that has never had a card, I always say, don't go max it out. Don't go take a trip across the world, have this huge balance. And now all of a sudden all you're doing is trying to whittle away that balance. Yeah. Go and put 20 bucks in gas, go and do 50 bucks at the grocery store. Do something that's attainable, something that you already know is in your checking account. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you charge in a couple days, yeah, pay it off, pay the entire balance off. Yeah. Um, and I always say, if you get in that realm, that that system of doing a small charge and a small payoff and a small, and just kind of get yourself in that position at the point where maybe you do, let's say, have to 
get a set of new tires or all of a sudden you do have a medical bill or something to put on there that's a little bit more um, than just your basic 20 or 30 bucks. At that point, yeah, do the minimum. I mean, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to be having interest charged to it. But as long as you do the minimum, that's where that utilization percentage or that utilization factor. Yeah. Um, we obviously want to make sure that you're not, if your credit limit is $500, you're not keeping it at 450 and 400. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a balance, bring it back down to three, bring it back down to 200, keep it below that 50% mm-hmm. utilization. So if you bring the balance, so that's, that's, I'm glad you said that. So if, if, if the balance was 500 bucks, if the re- if the recurring balance on that was two fifty or lower, then that's okay, right? It's okay mm-hmm. to make the minimum. You're good, but helping people understand that, and it's hard, right? It's a it's a five thousand dollar limit card. Nobody typically has twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars to throw on it because the average consumer is going to go, well, if I had that much money, I wouldn't use the credit card. You know what I mean? So like, I got it, but the best you can do to get it below fifty percent is good, even if you leave that balance, right? Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to have willpower and accountability. Oh, yeah. Um, like I said, it, yes, you, you said it right. You have a $5,000, you know, max. It It is easy to want to spend that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anybody wants to do that. Yeah. But I need yes, that TV. I, yes, <laughs> you do. You have to. Um, <clears throat> you do. You have to. You have to. Be determined to, to not put yourself in those situations. Um, well, I think it's harder for the people that you help, though, right? Because if you think about it, once you're in this journey, I'm sure, you know, credit counseling is just like any counseling, right? Like, you're not a counselor, but you're there to help them. So I'm sure, like, okay, guys, you're able to get this credit card. Yep. But remember what got you in the position when we talked the first time. So I'm sure it's even more important in what you do. And this is why it makes it so, I guess you could call it admirable, but it makes it so unique in the industry that you work in. Because I'm sure that you got to take a little extra time with those people and call them more often to be like, I'm just making sure that you guys are still being responsible and you have self-control, you have that willpower. Remember, it's this limit, but don't go over this. You know, like I'm sure there's a lot of those conversations that are had because Obviously, if anybody's had issues like that in the past, it's very, very tempting to go back to what you did before. Like, I mean, spending money on credit cards is like any other thing that like, like you love to do and then you walk away from it. It's hard not to kind of drift back. So, you know, I'm sure it's difficult, right? Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a hard love. So I will, like I said, support, encourage, empathize, understand. But when I put down the hammer and I said, you have to do this or you're not getting pre-approved for your house, you're not getting your scores up. At that point, I I do. Like I always use the the phrase, I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make a drink. And, And I have to have that for my own self, you know, just self esteem because it, it, it does, it, it, it's a touchy subject and you want to do everything to be able to help everybody. But all I can do when, when it comes down to it is guide, give resources, jump on calls with these creditors, these collections. I've done that weekly 
I'm always on a three-way call talking to them, getting them. We're not paying a single dime until we know we're going to get a letter from you on letterhead stating that once this balance is settled, this is no longer going to be reporting to the credit bureaus. It's going to be deleted or whatever verbiage needs to happen. Mm -hmm. I need to get, because every call is recorded and I get an agreed yes and agreed yes on both parties. We go ahead and make the payment. We get that letter within 24 hours. Yeah. I submit it to the bureaus and it's deleted off their credit report. Yeah, again, that right there as well. It's, I'm just telling you, man, like it's just the more and more we talk today is the more and more you realize that that your willingness to help people is 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 the reason you do what you do. And it's not because just like newsflash, you're not going to get paid more money if you help somebody fix their credit score. You're not going to. I don't to, charge anybody. For what I do. But I that's, do it that's my point. You're not going to get paid more money. And here's yeah. the reality to anybody that's listening to this today. It's already a long enough process to purchase a home. But when you take somebody that's willing to help you like, like you're doing, Whitney, and you help someone through that process, I don't think they realize how much time, and this isn't to sound bad, but it's reality. I don't think they understand how much time you don't have to do that. Like you're adding time in for these people to do it. And so I'm sure that... When you have that first conversation and you tell them, look, if we have to have this conversation more than once after this, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we're going to move forward. But I think the I, I would imagine most people are appreciative and they, they try to stick to the plan, especially if they're serious about purchasing a home, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like, again, I'm I, there's no time, you know, like there's only certain amount of hours in the day where you can even call creditors or look up interest rates or, or help people get pre-qualified. Like, like that is a, like everybody says they want more time. Like we just wish that some of these companies would work the same that we do, like be open, be Mm -hmm. available, but they close at five. And you know, if you're not, if you're not there at five, you can't get it. So, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a hard, I'm sure it's a hard rack if you go through this for a long time and then, you know, it doesn't work out. But I'm sure you have more success with the program than you do not. Otherwise, otherwise we wouldn't still be talking about it, right? You know? Yeah. It's definitely uh, extremely satisfying. And I've had two just in July uh, that I've been working with, one for 11 months and one just under nine months. And both came from a situation where when they initially applied, were nowhere near where they needed to be. And both of them a week apart closing finally yeah one and their second home one a first time that's was awesome. pretty cool yeah. pretty pretty darn cool that's amazing yeah, it's just it uh it's a rewarding experience you know so that's that's like your that's your why you know a lot of people in the real estate industry uh in certain companies you work in will tell you what's your why why do you do this and i used to be like what do you mean why do i do it like what's the reason you are going to do what you do and i would go well, I'm doing, and, and it's cliche answers, right? Cliche answers. Like, I'm doing it for my family. Like, well, what got me is a lot of times those people would say, well, you can't say that. Why are you doing it? And I'm thinking, well, I do it. That's why I'm doing it. Like, there's no selfish reason for me. And so that's kind of like the point I'm getting to is it has nothing to do with Whitney, right? It has everything to do with whoever that individual is that their family can now live in a home that they can say is theirs. There's the reward right there. Has nothing to do with me. You know, you're like in the background. They'll never forget what you did for them, but you're definitely not center stage because I'm telling, like, when you see people in that situation and they're able to do that, 
It's like they're walking down the aisle to get married again. You know what I mean? The yeah. pride that they have that they finally made it through. And I'm sure that uh, I'm sure you get a lot of Christmas cards every year. <laughs> or hmm. edible arrangements yeah. or gift cards. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's a, it, it, here's the deal. You've built a lifelong relationship, friend, mm -hmm. uh, someone that, that now knows if – I'm. You've probably had to talk to people about more than credit repair, depending on the relationship that have you established. Just your ability now to help people much more than just for what your job is is it's yeah. it's it's definitely rewarding. I like to I like to know that what we do, all of us together, it's part of what we do. Like we there's no there's no competition. Let's just go help as many people as we can. So that's the that's why I like it here. That's why I'm staying. Yep. That's good. So Let's go into like what what kind of what kind of hobbies do you have? What what do you like to do for fun? Is there any initiatives that you volunteer for that we can talk about today that people can maybe jump on board and help with? Um, yeah, I mean, a couple things. I mean, so on on the fun side, I um, am very much involved um, in sand volleyball. Um, I, I ref for. Um, some of our leagues up here and um, am very much a part participating in a lot of the tournaments, especially on the weekends. We'll um, have different um, fundraisers or we'll have different benefits or, um, or, or whatever it may be. Um, and we'll host these tournaments and um, it'll be six man leagues for, you know, 50 bucks a league, you know, very reasonable team fees and hundred percent of the proceeds will go to the Susan G. Komen foundation or to, Whoa, awesome. um, you know, a, a brother or a sister that's maybe recently passed from, from cancer or, or whatever it may be, but it's all locally driven. Um, it is not corporate. It is, you know, fully nonprofit. It's, it's just for, yeah local so we do that <clears throat> is there anything um, is there anything specific so is, is the majority of what you help with to raise money for cancer or is it just depends on whatever the charity is depends on whatever the charity okay. is um like i said it's, it's locally driven so you know jane doe and john smith could easily come up and say hey you know this is you know what we're doing or, Hey, it's around the Christmas time or, Hey, it's going back to school. Let's do yeah. a drive for the teacher supplies, yeah. food drive, coat drive, things like that. Um, and so a lot of the time it's just simply being involved in, in gathering teams together and of course participating or, or being there to help cook or ref or, or whatever yeah, it may be. Cool. But yeah. Yeah. And so cool. that's in, in Louisville, right? In, mm -hmm. in Kentucky, yep. so in Kentucky. is there yep. a is there a name of that place where you can go and people can sign up for these charity tournaments or kind of keep an eye out just in case they're in the area and they want to help? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's it's a it's a bar volleyball court. So it's called J Town Beach. They all are. Um, yes, <laughs> and so it um is open seven days a week. Um, we do leagues Sunday through Friday and then Saturday is more of an open play. Um, but yeah, you can, um, get it on, um, Facebook at, at just J dash town beach, um, and, and search it on Facebook. And obviously cool. they put up a lot of their events and, yeah. um, so whether it's just participating in the league or doing it for a fundraiser or, um, you know, coming by for a various festivals. We have, we just had a J town beer, um, festival just about two weeks ago. And so we had a bunch of activities and prizes and cooking. And so, yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's good for, for everybody to know where they can go. Even if you want to do your own, just like you said, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can reach out and get it. That's, that's a good deal. Yep. 
So, yep. yeah. We actually have a banner there. Mutual of Omaha um, donated a banner. So um, my my information's on there as well and, and all of um, – we'll set you up for success. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, <laughs> e- and even if it doesn't mean uh, success for borrowing money today, we can definitely help you drink some beers and play some volleyball. Heck yeah. There'll be there'll be some kind of accomplishment at the end, I promise. <laughs> yeah. So what else? What else? What else do you uh, do? You have planned for your future? I mean, you're doing you're doing what you're doing now. You're obviously doing very very great. You're you're involved. You're helping people. So the future for you, what do you what do you feel like it looks like the next couple of years? Where do you want to see yourself? Um, so I am, uh, involved in a couple different separated teams or segregated teams within Mutual of Omaha and, and obviously Matt and I are on one of them. So we're on our, our VA elite team. Yep. Um, I'm also on a Zillow, um, co-marketing team as well. Um, and, um, being here in Louisville and the only branch in Kentucky, um, one thing, especially being two years in, um, that I've really gravitated to is, feeling very diverse um, on, on both the hosting of, of different events and, and social networking and, you know, doing self-generated business with realtors to participating on a awesome team that helps our veterans and helps our active military and in, in educating realtors and consumers on the VA loan. Yep. Um, and then of course getting the Zillow co-marketing side with realtors across the nation. Um, I would love to go into more of the training. So a lot of our new loan officers, a lot of um, these individuals that um, are, are either just joining for the first time or coming from another business and things are different, things are unique. Mm -hmm. Um, but being a a role model or a a, a companion that they can lean on, um, that I can work with them one-on-one to obviously be as successful and, and, um, knowledgeable as possible. So, so do they have, do they have a branch where people just train and do the mentorship side of it? Or would you, would you ever stop doing what you're doing now and just mentor people? I'm, I would imagine you want to continue doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I would I would love to continue. I think continuing is going to keep me sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to keep me up with the, the yeah. guidelines because they are ever-changing. Um, so, yes, I, I don't know that I would ever not originate. Um, but I would absolutely love to be a, a, a mentor, you know, nationwide for Mutual of Omaha. I know, of course, we have branch managers that do that. And, of course, we have HR. And, of course, we have, you sure. know you know, VPs of different regions that mm-hmm. that is part of their responsibility, but even having somebody that they can kind of um, delegate different tasks to for, sure. for new hires and whatnot. Well, and have I mean, more of a- HR is great. They keep you out of trouble all the time. It's what they do. Shout out HR. Thanks, thanks for keeping us out of trouble. They do trainings, <laughs> but a lot of that yep. stuff is like, Hey, this company has this training program or this mm-hmm. rule came out. Let me give you a flyer, right? Like there's a difference to, because my background is in training. So there's a difference to I did this compliance training because I need to or go ask that guy because he knows to having a mentor or Mm -hmm. a trainer that you have access to in order to learn, right? So that's kind of like how we did it in the military, right? Like in the Navy, whenever you would get to a new duty station, you had to either select and if you couldn't do it fast enough, we would give you a mentor, someone that's doesn't even have to be within your job, but it's someone that can help you progress your career, become a better 
let's say you were a mechanic or you were a um, like a radar guy or an information systems technician guy, like whatever you did, you needed someone that could mentor and help you grow. So we're all about that. And so that's maybe a little bit of a difference than what I see as I've gotten out of the Navy and gone to a couple different industries, right? The Navy does it for free, right? Mm-hmm. Man, you got to pay a lot of money and a mentorship program outside of it. So if, if companies were able to design somewhat of a mentorship program that partners someone up with a senior level person that's experienced just simply to learn from, like even just sitting there and watching them do the work, you're going to mm-hmm. learn. Um, still have the opportunity to go pay somebody to hold you accountable. But if you have that person that's within your company, it's like you've got that safe space, right? Because sometimes people aren't willing to ask their manager for help because they're afraid of how it's going to sound when it comes out. You know what I mean? They're like, I don't understand. And they're afraid they're going to get yelled at. But like I've talked to Whitney a couple times. She seems cool. She's not in charge of me. So I'm cool to be embarrassed with her versus being embarrassed with my boss. Because I want my boss to look at me and be like, this dude, what's wrong with him? You know? Well, and, and, and as you get higher up the, the hierarchy, they, they obviously have more and more individuals or employees or staff or people to oversee. I mean, yeah. um, and, and so sometimes, depending on, on the size of a branch or the, the size of the region or, or other responsibilities that these managers have, yes, they're available for a phone call or an email response back or a text, but it, it alleviates having to, like you said, feel uncomfortable or, or, uh, uneasy about, you know, asking a higher up about a, a silly question, which in my mind, there is no silly yeah, question. Yeah, there is no but, silly question, but there is right. something to that as well about like, okay, I don't want to bother my boss. He's really yeah. busy. Right. And yeah. they are busy. They're super busy. When you get to that level, you are a professional firefighter. Let's just yeah. put it like that. Like your job yeah. is to put out all the fires that start every day. And so to take away, and that's to your point, small question, meaningless question, what you feel to them actually might turn out to be a super important question that everybody needs to learn because Mm -hmm. even the basics will get you in trouble, right? So, you know, I think the other side of the coin there is like people don't want to bother their manager as well because they're too busy. Or it also gives, I don't know how you've seen it in the past, but like, you have managers that are busy and, and they're, you got a team of 15 people that could be 50 deals going at one time. And you're got to keep that all straight. Like your mindset and focus, the highway you're driving down is all the deals that we're trying to close to make sure that the consumers that we're assisting are able to have a worry-free process, right? Mm-hmm. There's not much room for error there to jump in and do things. So that turns into the manager doesn't always answer your email or answer your phone call when you call. And now the worker's mm-hmm. like, oh, that person, like, they're not even good. They don't ever talk to me. But you have no idea what they're doing on the other end, right? right. So I think having some kind of thing like that where it's like, hey, if you have any small questions, call Whitney. She can answer them for you. But mm-hmm. I think we do, other than that, I think we do a pretty good job on us. You know, group chats are a great thing. Yep. Um, the ability to just ask a question and anybody can just jump on and answer when they're available. Yep. Those are great learning resources, but there is a lot to be said to the comfort level of having that one person that you can call and talk to, right? Especially if you're frustrated or lost. 
because it's hard to display that in a question in a group chat or, you know, in a team meeting, right? Because that's where everybody's watching. So if you've got right. that person that you can talk to, it just a lot of times it comes into a trust factor as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's all good. I think I think uh, the sky's the limit for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's uh, um, so that means you would so you would stay there like you want to stay where you're at. Is there any way of you wanting to move into the into the great state of Texas? <laughs> We're pretty awesome. Well, in fact, right? I have been presented this option, but oh yeah, <laughs> I have. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm all about you know moving and and you know, I mean, depending on you know, am I going to be moving across the nation to do exactly what I'm doing? Is there an opportunity for me to move to Texas or to Virginia or, or sure. wherever because of a unique opportunity that's being presented no like nowhere else? Yes. I mean, whatever I can do, even if it's seasonally or temporarily or, um, you know, I'm, I'm there, whatever, um, sure. to build rapport with a no, yeah, that's, uh, brokerage or yeah. open up a new branch or, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever I can do. But yeah, I'm, yeah, of course, traveling. Absolutely. Man, I don't even know. I don't think I could leave Texas. <laughs> I'm just saying we're, we're, we're pretty awesome. You can just look at the stats. Everybody wants to look at it. <laughs> It's, it's, it's bananas in Texas right now. Mm -hmm. We have, we have, we have more buyers than homes. That's what happens a lot right now. But yes. Yeah. It's yes. uh that, that's good. I mean, that, that just means that you're open to opportunities and that's always a good thing. Anyone that's open to opportunities is going to work for them. And I just, you know, I'm excited to see where it takes you because just knowing you for this little bit of time, I see that you're willing to help. You're willing to reach out. And I personally know, and you don't have to confirm because I don't think you ever will because that's not who you are. <laughs> There's probably been times where new people on the team have just been like, I got a question and you've seen it and you're like, I really don't have time for this. But then right away I get the, if you need something, let me know. I know that not everybody has that time, but you know, that's, that's what makes you unique, especially with the clients that you work with and uh, just the way that you do the job. It's appreciative for sure. And to rephrase, it's not that we don't have time for this. It's questions just, it's its life. It, it, you could literally have an easy morning until noon, and then all of a sudden five realtors are asking the exact same yeah. question at the exact same time, and it's urgent for every single one of them. It's its a mental game. It You have yeah. to be able to breathe, and you take one task at a time. So no, I love the questions. I love jumping on shared screens. I love being able to answer questions or, or you know, go over scenarios or whatever it may be. Um, it's just about the timing of it is all it is. For sure. That's what I mean by I don't have time for this because everybody's done that, right? Everybody's done it. It doesn't matter. Like you could yeah. be looking at the computer, see something, and not even look at it and be like, I really don't have time for this. You have no idea what it is. And then you look and you're like, oh, I got time for that. And then you jump right. in. You know? <laughs> But, you know, I got time to be on Facebook for the next 15 minutes, yeah. but I forgot to call those last. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, but that's true, right? It's true. It happens all the time. Tons of people, yeah. tons of people will look and go, I have no time in the day. I have no. none. No time. I don't have time to do anything. I'm guilty of this. I got no time. Right. And then people will ask you, and this is what they got me like this in the Navy. And it's probably still true. I know it's still true today. And they go, okay. 
how many hours did you work today? You're like, 15. They're like, 15 for sure. So within <laughs> those hours, if your job is to be a lender, a realtor, uh, a, a construction worker, that means at no point today did you eat lunch, at no point today did you just get on the phone and bullshit, at no point did you look at Facebook and all these things. And you're like, oh, I did that a couple of times. You're like, uh-huh. So let's uh -huh. look at it. And we did an exercise yep. like way back in the day when I was in the Navy in, in recruiting because they were trying to prove a point, right? And they did. They did. They go, okay, let's look at it, right? How many hours a day did you do this? How many hours a day did you do that? And when we got done, they were like, the reality is you guys are only working three hours a day. Legitimate three hours a day. Physically there. Yeah, yeah. That's what they said. You're at work. You're wearing the uniform. You walked mm -hmm. in the door. You did that mm -hmm. for 15 hours. But you really only worked three hours today. And you were like, no, I didn't. I got yelled at all day. And they're like, it's probably because you weren't working. Working. It's like, ah, oh, it makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's that, right. that, that, time, that time crunch is definitely, uh, it's definitely interesting. And then when you realize for yourself that like, you're like, man, sh I, I fall into that. Then you're like, oh, goodness. Now, well, I need to go back and relook look at how this goes. But yeah. Well, <laughs> it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. And I know that uh, you have tons to do. Uh, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll do it again. If you ever have anything Absolutely. that you want to talk about, jump on, uh, be a part of. This thing's going to go for a long, long time. So. Anytime you want to talk, just let me know. We can jump on and do cool. it. And uh, if you ever need anything, let me know. Not not if there's, I mean, there's not much I could probably help with. Way down here in Texas, up to where you're at. But if there's anything at all, just let me know. Absolutely. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye, Matt.